Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, tonight, April 20th, 2019, and we're opening with Taurus Cosmic Collaborations. It's individual commentaries from myself, Sue Rose Minahan, host, and the guests, the Taurus guests, each voicing their independent areas of the Taurus archetype. Saturday's show repeats, and it'll be Thursday morning, April 25th at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. That's Pacific Daylight Time. Never changes anymore in the state of Washington. And interestingly, for those European folks listening, that would be 2 o'clock in England and Europe, the mainland, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Norway and the rest of Scandinavia. And it fits one of my favorite sayings, sunrise, sunset. The Taurus guest speakers will be Talk Cosmos host Sue Rose Minahan, evolutionary oriented astrologer, Seattle, Washington. And on April 27th, pardon me, next week, which repeats Thursday, May 2nd, Ben Mabry, a yogi esoterist astrologer, Olympia, Washington. May 4th, which repeats Thursday, May 9th, Madam Simon archetypal astrologer from Bainbridge Island, Washington. Though she's unable to give a talk tonight, I will have a second talk later to cover that area of another dimension of the Taurus archetype. May 11th repeats May 16th with Dana Bernbach, certified evolutionary astrologer who incorporates Kabbalah's energetic letters, Newcastle, New York. And the last of these five Taurus talks will be May 18th, repeating on May 23rd, Thursday, with Don Glinsky from Six O'Clock Astrology, a Kepler College certified astrologer in natal and predictive techniques, Buffalo, New York. So to begin Taurus Cosmic Collaborations, I'm Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos host and evolutionary-oriented astrologer, Seattle, Washington. As the Aries fire spark, the seed of energy action, transits to Taurus, the energy settles to become concentrated, consolidated, to solidify into a form. Defining Taurus, the second sign of the zodiac, the first earth signs, as fixed. Although the energy is certainly dynamic, we see how land grows life, many forms. However, the first house Aries cardinal energy moves to act upon it. That's the second house. And from the other side in the third house of Gemini, mutable energy works to disassociate the Taurus energy. So both cardinal and mutable work to adjust the form all the time can be one way to look at Taurus's fervent aim to maintain stability. Taurus likes to feel secure in its comfort zone because it sustains life. However, ultimately, it's a matter upon what purpose 
and the values that rest that security. Taurus essentially has the intention relating to its life for survival through manifesting a form, a vessel, possessing a capacity of strength in order to withstand and survive life. Self-reliance using one's personal resources include the personal talents. And interestingly, in ancient times, talents meant money. Talents still convey worth. Self-worth is a huge part of Taurus, which generally relates into our values. For whatever we value, we find worth and importance. Focus on our survival. And what promotes a true sense of survival is our purpose. For what purpose? That's the question. Here is where we measure our values. Here is where we take stock of our possessions, including our personal talents. And remembering that we possess more than the physical ultimately has great purpose. Since our body's a vessel for the energy moved from Aries, in Taurus we form according to the values that support our purpose. Our purpose to live, our purpose to survive, our purpose for self-reliance, and what we do measure our purpose as it relates to how we live. It is our purpose that relates to the second earth sign of Virgo because that's the sixth house and how we maintain our daily continuity for the purpose. And it relates to the third earth sign, Capricorn, in the 10th house, because that's where we provide our purpose in social structures. We might ask, are we here to only devour material desires like the Minotaur mythology that ate flesh? If you want to learn more about that mythology, go to the archival talk with guest Rose Trimbach from last year, May 12th, 2018. Beauty relates to Taurus. Beauty appeals and attracts. And all species of the mating and fertilization process. Beauty, as the adage commonly says, is in the eye of the beholder, which has great significance. Birds perform mating dances and build, or some build intricate nests to attract their mate. And what resonates as attractive has been tested to give pleasure. And this thus protects life. Leonardo da Vinci illustrated the golden mean. That's a ratio of balanced proportions shown initially in the spiral, the very first form of life. He developed those proportions in the body's face, of our arms and legs to the torso, and is found in all great art, whether it's landscaped, people, in any design. Beauty's a lasting format. If it has beauty, it lasts. It's for its protection, it's for pleasure, it's that grounding force that we want to continue with. Those measuring sticks that we are self-possessing as talents within ourself occur in part because we listen to what we see in beauty around us. We find beauty because beauty can be seen in so many ways. The silver ray of sunlight, big, huge, puffy sky clouds against the blue, birds chirping merrily in the day at spring, evening, morning, 
probably to announce the beautiful change of light on this globe. And of course, there's a million other ways to find beauty, whether it's a candlelight flame or a laughter of a child. I know these are fairly basic to think about, but truly beauty is most amazing as one searches and not even searches if one understands that life is beautiful. Maybe like the song, everything is beautiful in its own way. It's so true. And what we find is value in life, that we find what's beautiful. And it's what we find for a value and beautiful that gives us purpose. And that purpose brings form, that form within us. And from Aries, spark to form in the areas of Taurus. The sign of Taurus is ruled or influenced by the planet and goddess Venus, or Aphrodite in Greek. However, there are many other goddesses in global mythologies because the planet Venus is easily seen across the entire world. It's the brightest planet often, has a great history and importance around the world. There's much to be gained by many mythologies when it comes to Venus and understanding that dimension of the story. The metaphor language of mythology speaks of the mysterious with insightful messages that come from the distant past into our lens of the future or the present, rather to understand and use. Aphrodite or Venus, known in earlier cultures as Ishtar or Inanna, essentially the goddess of love, beauty, marriage, protector of sailors, as she is the goddess of the sea, especially in Sparta and a, and a war goddess. The goddess Venus was raised by Poseidon, Neptune, the god of the sea, and is a goddess of the sea. She represents that attraction that we have that brings desire and thus manifestation. Connected often with Mars or Eris, the Greek A-R-E-S, who fathered with Aphrodite, Venus, their child Eros, and also known as Cupid. Unions with Venus created love's attraction. Having desire attracts manifestation. Her attraction for Eris or Mars, the god of war, conceived another child, Harmonia, as Earth sits between the two planets. Peace reigns from war in times when love enters our hearts. They were discovered in a net such as hers from the sea, but this was made of bronze. It was the age of bronze. Her husband, Vulcan, a lame smith, wanted to capture the lovers, but Hermes declared his love for Venus despite any net and so the gods shared their laughter. One might say thought and heart of love must merge. Hermes, Mercury, and she did have an androgynous child, shown often as a bearded lady. It's said for the purpose to show the transition from matriarchy to patriarchy. Again, it alludes to the many, many steps of possibilities of how we might see the shifts and reasons from the past as a storyboard. Another name for Venus was actually death in life goddess. In Athens, she was called the oldest of the fates and sisters of the Aranus. Venus greatly loved the mortal Adonis. And when he died, she had to share a third of the time with Persephone of the underworld and a third of the time for Adonis spending time with his own life. Robert Graves, author of Greek myths, says it was this section of threes that relates to the part of the world Syria, Asia Minor, and Greece. The goddess's sacred year was divided into three parts ruled by the lion, goat, and serpent. The goat was the love goddess Aphrodite, the serpent the goddess Persephone, and lion sacred to the birth goddess. As life attracts, it dies and rebirths. H.J. Rose, another author writing 
Greek mythology, relates that in the story of Adonis that it could be said that it was of the great mother and her lover who dies like vegetation dies and comes to life again. How we see another individual is totally upon our own view and our own appreciation of what we feel is beautiful of spirit, of heart, and of course the physicality. And all of it relates back to values. What we consider of importance for what purpose, for what purpose of our survival, defining our terms of living in life. We no longer live concerned whether the sun rises or the moon sets. Clocks manage our lives to the rhythms of our mental needs. Yet Taurus is instinctive and like Aries operated before the written word in, of the third house of Gemini, Taurus feels, it's its senses, it's our body speaking to us. Perhaps like nature, which once the world was so attached to, now through many developments of sophistication and isolation, has removed our daily connection to so many sensory instinctual terms of life. Taurus rules its senses and our body speaks messages important to register to connect our instincts. When we ground ourselves often through energy methods, integrating spirit into our vessel, the form of the body, we survive to thrive. Being connected to mind and body and heart makes us whole and grounds our stability. Yet, Taurus' focus on stability and comfort zone results in complacency, carving a deep rut in lives. Strengths overcome become weaknesses. Besides the instinctive senses of our body, we look at Scorpio's polarity points. Remember the material possesses a limited lifespan. No one's an island. Life exchanges resources. Venus, the goddess of the sea, shares the ocean's water to evaporate and drop as rain for the land for growth, supporting food sustenance. Taurus brings spirit into form, and Scorpio, as opus, reminds that life cycles to be rebirthed, so let the old pass and find new life with improved values and purpose to renew stability. That was your host of Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan, introducing the Taurus archetype. And coming up next, you will hear from Ben Mabry, who will be speaking on April 27th. Hi, I'm Ben Mabry. In addition to being an astrologer, I am a yogi and an esotericist. A yogi is one who consciously chooses one or more paths of activity for spiritual development. A yogi who is also an esotericist is one who strives to follow not only perennial spiritual teachings, but also the hints within those teachings. My Taurus talk on April 27th will be on the third eye and other yogic implications of Taurus. In yogic lore, the third eye refers to a spot between one's eyes once its spiritual potential is awakened. On the basic level, Taurus is one of the fixed signs and one of the earth signs. As the only sign that is both fixed and earth, Taurus tends to gather and hold material substantive resources. This tendency can be used in positive and negative ways. When Taurus aids spiritual development at an advanced level, it tends to ground the yogic visionary states into a sustained awakened consciousness to develop a spiritually substantive third eye. Taurus thus tends to gather resources of the inner world, and this tendency must be used 
in a positive way for the process to come to completion. The third eye develops around an energy center called, in the Sanskrit language, a chakra, spelled either C-H-A-K-R-A or C-A-K-R-A. There are seven main chakras. They are, from bottom to top, the chakra of earth, chakra of water, that of fire, that of air, that of ether, that of mind, and that of the intuition organ. The earth chakra at the base of the trunk of the body is where we complete the processing of solids. The water chakra is where we complete the processing of liquids. The fire chakra is where we, so to speak, combust our food. The air chakra is where we process the air we breathe. The ether chakra is where we process vocal sounds. Ether is said to be the medium through which sound is conducted. The mind chakra is where we think, and the intuitional chakra at the crown of our head is where we fully contact our higher selves. The chakras directly work with the complex system of our endocrine glands. Their hormones precisely regulate our various physical and emotional states. The system of the astrological signs hooks up with the chakra system as follows. Aries to the crown chakra, its adjacent signs Taurus and Pisces to the brow chakra. The next signs in order, Gemini and Aquarius, to the throat chakra. Cancer and Capricorn to the chakra at the breast, heart, and lungs. Leo and Sagittarius to the chakra at the belly. Virgo and Scorpio to the chakra at the groin. And Libra to the chakra at the base. Taurus, as an earth sign, represents the form side of things. Forms in this universe tend to perfection through beauty. Beauty is the divine aspect of form. This principle is governed by the sign Taurus in people who live for art and try to discover the sacred mission of art. A beautiful azure blue is the color for meditation on this principle for the transition from predominant focus on the throat chakra to predominant focus on the brow chakra. The throat chakra in this case resonates to the color gold. It is said that the blending of these two colors is like that of the iridescent non-pigmental coloring on the neck of the Indian peacock. This bird is said to be ruled by Taurus and Aquarius. Taurus resonating with the brow chakra and Aquarius with the throat chakra. And the peacock is a mystifyingly beautiful creature. The peacock is the bird that associates with the avatar or divine incarnation, Krishna, the prime avatar for the practitioners of bhakti yoga, 
the yoga of devotional love and appreciation of divine beauty. Krishna is said to have incarnated with Taurus rising and with moon exalted in Taurus. I have given you a taste of a yogic approach to Taurus. Join me on the 27th for a feast. You've just heard from Ben Mabry, who will be speaking on April 27th. And coming up next, Sue Rose Minahan has another segment prepared for you. And for the show on May 4th, she will be speaking with Madam Simon. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos host, evolutionary-oriented astrologer, Seattle, Washington. The age of Taurus was 4,400 B.C. to approximately 2,200 B.C. An astrological age occurs because of a real motion of Earth known as the precession of the equinoxes, causing the pole star to change over time. The cycle of precession lasts 25,800 years, known as the Great Year, and it involves the 12 constellations of the zodiac. Thurban was the North Pole star during the age of Taurus, whereas Polaris is now. The cycle of ages goes backwards in the signs of the horoscope, and it lasts for approximately 2,000 years. Presently, we're in the process of culminating the age of Pisces, initiated around when Christ was born, although there's some talk it may have been 100 years before his birth, because it's a long, long transition when you're talking 2,000 years, a huge span of time. In fact, right now we're approaching the age of Aquarius, and astrologers debate whether it started several hundred years before us, or whether it's going to be after us, or whether it might be December 2020. That's the reoccurring cycle of Jupiter and Saturn that connect every 20 years in a cycle where they conjunct, and that one will be zero degrees Aquarius. Lots of food for thought, lots of debate, the point being there's always a transition between the cusps of any transit. Essentially, life represents that very factor, yes? Astrology is here to indicate an orderly system. It's one system of development from the whole of life, as above as below. In 12 signs, divisions of the entire scope of the universe, in a system that we can work with to understand ourselves in life. So when I bring up the fact that the cusp and transitions, well, that's something that people are familiar and live with on a daily and yearly basis without considering transits and cusps. So over eons of time, we're familiar with evolving transition. The question might surface, for what purpose? Now, that's a very Taurus concern. March 2018, I visited the Oriental Institute Museum of the University of Chicago. It was during the United Astrology Conference, known as UAC. It combines four different major astrology memberships held every four to six years. I was thrilled to read and look at artifacts from this age of Taurus time period back in ancient Babylonia and the city of Sumeria to see how the first writing in the world began about 3500 B.C., predominantly it was early records documented on tablet measurements to indicate accurate monetary bartering trades exporting grain oils textiles from babylonia to foreign cities for timber wine precious metals and stones i found it fascinating that second house financial purpose served 
to encourage the entire development of writing, which is a third house, as it was necessitated. Later, the Phoenicians devised the alphabet that eventually formed into the scripts we use. At that time, the Taurus constellation, the bull, set on the horizon exactly at the spring equinox in March. However, due to the age of procession of equinoxes, the constellation no longer is aligned with the signs. Sidereal astrology used in India maintains that fixed stars work to align the constellations. However, tropical astrology used in Western astrology, similar to the Greeks, operates on the directions, starting the zodiac with the vernal equinox, fixing it to the calendar and seasonal cycle. Taurus is represented by the bull, and mythology during the age of Taurus involves bulls, cows, representing sacred energy of God, interacting into form where the God of the heavens came to earth as a bull or perhaps a cow. And during the age of Taurus, there were many monuments of bulls. I saw in the Egyptian area of the Oriental Institute Museum several enormous bullhead monuments that once sat in front of buildings in Egypt. These heads seemed at least 10, 15 feet above me, although I did not measure them. Surely it indicates strongly how the people related with nature at that time, seeing the similarity between the instinctive forms of animals and life around them. The stories depicted in a metaphor language in which deep ideas might be conveyed. You know, it's always a challenge for modern people with different set of experience and consciousness to relate. But like all translation, the excitement to perceive the unknown mystery of what really, truly was deeply intended lures a constant revelation. Venus shines often as the brightest planet in the night sky. It's larger than Mercury. It's between Mercury and Earth. And Venus, in its cycle, conjuncts with the sun sign degree five times exactly during an eight-year period. And that forms a pentagram star. There are two astrologers who significantly have brought attention to this amazing dynamic. Ariel Gutman, author of Venus Star Rising, and Adam Gainsberg, author of The Light of Venus. When Venus makes a connection with the sun in a sign, it endures for about a hundred years. Each conjunction progresses a few degrees through the 30 degrees of the sign. And the presently, these Venus star points are in the signs Gemini, going to Capricorn, then Leo, Aries, Scorpio. Two will soon be shifting. They've completed their 100-year cycle. 2022, Scorpio star becomes Libra. 2041, Aries becomes Pisces, Venus star. The last time these were a pair was when Nostradamus was alive, 1770 to 1870s. Collectively, we experience these cycles. And perhaps, as Ariel Goodman indicates, that under this rulership of the star points, Libra and Pisces involving Venus, that peace might become reinforced as a major focus. Venus in the sky is both a morning star 
rising in the morning hours, viewed in the early dawn, or viewed at night, called the evening star. And in between these periods of time, it's not seen, said to be in the underworld, where there's great mythology and great transformational purposes involved. It does give people opportunity to readdress areas that Venus relates with our values and our purpose. You can check your own Venus cycle in either references by Ariel Gutman or Adam Gainsbourg. Find out if you're a morning or evening star. There are different energies associated with that distinction. To further learn the concept and value of Venus as a significant guide in life. I want to comment on yesterday's full moon, April 19, 2019. It was at 4.12 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the second Libra full moon. The first was March 20th, which was zero degrees Libra. Yesterday's was 29 degrees Libra and five seconds. During the 30-day period from start to finish, the essence involves Venus because Venus duly rules Libra and Taurus. Ta- Libra involves relationships represented by the seventh house. That's above the horizon, directly across from Aries, where the energy focuses on your own spark, starting a new identity. And this is Libra with the other. For today, April 20th, the next day after, the sun has entered Taurus archetype, the second sign of the zodiac. So that really brings important direction. And it is naturally ruled by Venus. And significantly, yesterday's full moon, which is lasting still now, is Uranus at 2 degrees, 19 seconds Taurus, is conjunct that sun and conjunct today's sun. It moves slowly during a seven-year orbit, and it'll stay in Taurus until May 2026. The sun represents identity, our identity, and it's sharing a strong conversation with Uranus. Essentially, the conversation is all about how are we moving our foundational structure to give us more life in the process of our living that's authentic to our very survival, to our very existence of our self-reliance of Taurus energy. It interests me that many of the aspects of the planetary energies connecting now support the formation of Taurus's interest in finding purpose, purpose for values that operate in our survival. Mercury and Venus conjunct represent our mental and our heart desires of what we're attracted to. And their intention with Jupiter, our belief patterns, that one might say really rest on the principles and values that we measure of importance. I certainly feel the energies. They strongly are affecting my sense of past and present. And I've heard many others mention their experiences of real adjustments because it's an involved process when we work on shifting the stability of our life. In the chart, Neptune at 17 degrees in its own sign of Pisces, and it'll stay in Pisces until 2025, adds a dimension asking us to remember the greater source beyond and outside of our control. It's interesting that now Venus is still in conjunction, a wide conjunction, with Neptune, which is Poseidon, who raised Venus as a daughter of the sea. And that that relationship is with the brother, Neptune's brother, Jupiter, or Zeus, 
where we find our visions, our belief systems. And that Hermes, or Mercury, closely connected to Venus now, is thought. And perhaps we will bridge this patriarchy and matriarchy to become what truly is authentic for our own survival of our best purpose. Through our free will, we build life structures. It's prominent now with the south lunar node in Capricorn, conjunct ruler Saturn in its own sign, along with transformative Pluto, also in the sign of ethical responsibility-driven Capricorn. But to balance our achievement status, the north node in Cancer seeks continual guidance from the moon, which will last for the next year as a total energy. It's working our personal phases and cycles, very personal, privately focused emotional basis. Our personal process ultimately needs to align with the unknown life force, or called however one may think of it, because the forces of life in the universe has a way of bringing things to our attention outside of our control. According to author E.R. Dodds of the Greeks and the Irrational, the Greeks' ideology shifted from the belief structure that the gods enjoy and humanity suffers. That began to change with democracy in Athens. Individuals began to change ideas that humanity had empowerment to coexist with the powers of life. Athens also liberated the family clan from inheriting shame or guilt. Though the father still ruled until he died, it's how we cooperate with the cosmic world. And in this sense, life asks us to determine our values and purpose to reach beyond the physicality. When we listen to the heart and body messages of what we love while recognizing beauty in life, that we integrate the life force of spirit into our vessel of values, it sustains a renewed purposeful form of survival. You just heard from Sue Rose Minahan, who will be speaking with Madam Simon on May 4th. At this time, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have our third guest for the Taurus archetype, Anna Bernbach. This is a cosmic collaboration from Talk Cosmos. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Taurus. By leaving a cycle based upon initiation, the energy of Taurus integrates spirit into a solid form of matter that is tangible and physical. It's an earth sign, concerned with self-sufficiency and the values to maintain the strength of a life form throughout its survival. Hi, this is Petra Touchert of Petra Touchert Astrology, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Talk Cosmos, and this week you're listening to a cosmic collaboration which brings together shorter segments of each guest for each archetype. Now let's hear from our next speaker, Dana Bernbach, who will be on the program on May 11th. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here on Talk Cosmos, where we explore our cosmic roots in the stars. I'm Dana Bernbach, and it's really great to be with you again as we delve into this space 
between the zodiacal signs, exploring this realm typically known as the cusp. This time around, we're delving into the place in between Aries and Taurus. And how apropos during the full moon in Libra cycle, Venus's other sign, that we look at the transition from Aries moving into Taurus. In the spirit of the Hebrew alphabet, the Hebrew letters, the 22 building blocks of creation, of which this segment of the show is based, we think of this piece as between the window and the nail, the hay linked with Aries and the nail, which is the vav of Taurus. It can be thought of this way, spirit, ruach, the wind, the wind level of our souls blowing through an open window and now taking seed or indeed seeding itself into the physical form. This is a kind of binding of the free, pure spirit consciousness, the breath, the spirit of God. The name in Hebrew is Ruach Elohim into the plane of the physical called the world of Asiya, literally to make. That's our world, the fourth world. Right here in this space, this cusp on the threshold of Aries into Taurus is the quintessential representation of the kingdom of spirit is embodied in my flesh. This is the ideal of the Sephirah Malchut, integrating spirit in the flesh. This is what Malchut royalty is meant to be, infusing every physical particle in the physical dimension, the world of, again, Asiya, which actually can be likened to the 3D, the third dimensional world, with the spirit of Hashem, the name, the creator, God, infusing every particle with the spirit of the creator and the creator ha shem the name beginning with hey that letter associated with aries wants to know what it means what it's like to be in the physical and also wants to be known by creation in the physical this is the lowest of the four worlds, which begins, its inception is actually way, 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 way out in the divine realm of archetypes, Atsilut, which literally means nearness, to be near the creator, the cosmic egg, the light of the Ein Sof, the infinite light of eternity, and eternity, which is even before and beyond the light. 
the way that creator can know itself is through this creation. And this is how it begins to make some kind of sense for us out here in Asiya, the physical. And so we have the beginning of the spinning of the Gal-Gal, the great wheel of the Zodiac, which was instigated way, way up in Chochmah, in wisdom, the second Sephirah, and Aries, the first sign of the Zodiac, with which Adam is linked with. We talked about this with Sue on one of the previous shows about Aries. Adam, first letter is Aleph, last letter is a final Mem, linked and connected by the letter Dalet, Dalet, which means the door, Adam, Aleph, Dalet, Mem, the open door which links separate principles and brings them together, linking seemingly disparate worlds. Adam, Adam also meaning the spirit of creator and of blood, because Aleph, the first letter of Adam's name, refers to the supernal spirit creator. And Dam, the last syllable of the name, Dam is blood. So as such, it's unalterably linked with Mars, the blood, and Earth, the physical domain. So we have a very interesting correspondence because the blood is carrying the spirit and circulating it around into the physical body, which represents the physical realm. Adama, Adama in Hebrew, Adam, Ah, Adama means earth or the ground, more specifically the place where everything grows. The seed which is encapsulated spirit, spirit reduced into a small particle, a cell, a package, blown by the wind, ruach, blown by the wind. Remember the wind, that's one of the levels of Aries. Ruach blows the seed into the ground, into the Adama, the earth the ground, the crust of earth, literally, through nurturing waves of energy, combined with sunlight and water, which carry love. And this gives birth to new life forms in the physical body. This really is to say that the spirit of the creator, the spirit of God, Hashem, combined with blood, the vehicle that carries spirit through the body, depositing energy into cells and actually, as a side note, no surprise, that is the physical source, the blood's physical source is, where it arises from is the depth of the bones, the marrow connected with Saturn is distributed by the heart connected to the sun and to Leo and via the blood vessels, which are very much 
associated with Aries. And then the final letter, Hey, the feminine letter of God. We've established that the Hey represents this aspect of the name. That's the earth. The final letter, Hey, is Mahu, the earth. Adama is very much connected with this physical plane, the last of the four worlds. This is the final hey, the of the yud hey vav hey, and the final feminine, which is the earth, malchut. Malchut, royalty, is the daughter, the nukva. This is the daughter. And here lies a profound message about earth the earth plane and earth consciousness. And why am I getting to all of this? This is very much aligned with our understanding, a deep understanding of Taurus. Taurus and Malchut, inherently in the letters, the spirit and the flesh, physical, asiya, earth, ground, are bound together. Aries into Taurus, the spirit of God, the kingdom of spirit is embodied in my flesh. This is Malchut in her quint essence. There have been many and will be many levels of earth, for there are many names of earth in the Hebrew text. The most common is Haaretz, literally the land. We also have Terach of note. Terach was the name of the father of Abraham from whom he departed. Perhaps connoting a level of earth devoid of spirit, leaving the purely mundane earth consciousness, worshipping of the physical devoid of spirit. Another ancient, ancient, ancient name that figures in Hebraic texts is Gi, very primitive earth, Malchut, Mother Earth, Gi, like the Greek Gaia, has many, many cycles and levels within the Asiatic realm. The earth plane, Taurus, Vav, the and, which is the bridge on which spirit glides down into the Asiatic plane, and Vav, the nail that literally pins the spirit, the I am consciousness downloading into the soul, which are the feminine waters, into the body, and the basic soul in the body is nefesh, the animal soul. This is the level of soul corresponding with the physical earth body, the animal soul, malchut consciousness. And he corresponds with Aries and Adam, and it is the delet, the middle letter of Adam, which links the he of Aries with the nail of Vav, which is Taurus which binds the spirit and keeps it in the physical plane. That was Dana Bernbach, who will be speaking on May 11th. And last but not least is our final guest for the Taurus Archetype, Don Glinsky, joining the program on May 18th. Hi, this is Don Glinsky from Six O'Clock Astrology. I'm a certified Western astrologer. When I think of Taurus, many times... I think we associate this sign with the common characteristic of stubbornness. Taurus is a fixed sign, not known for its flexibility, but the unwavering bull does have its perks because when Taurus sets out to do something, it does get done. Taurus is known for their determination and their practicality, their dependability and their loyalty. And it is an earth sign, 
And when we think of earth, I think we tend to think of something stable and grounded. And that's one of the things that's so great about Taurus is that we can always rely on them. Venus, Taurus's ruler, lends her gifts of beauty and harmony and creativity, along with artistic and musical talent, to the month of May, which is the month that Taurus rules. And in true Venetian fashion, Mother Nature gets a makeover during this season, and we find ourselves drawn to the outdoors, feeling inspired to dig in our shovels and create something really spectacular. Taurus likes to have a solid plan, preferably one that will provide security, so if you own real estate, this would be a good time to assess the value of your home. I don't think it's any coincidence that we put our homes on the market during this time, but take a good look at your living space and ask yourself how you can improve it, make it more valuable. Taurus loves to add value to anything, and now would be a favorable time to invest in those things that can provide long-term financial stability. Spring cleaning, of course, is also something that many of us do around this time as we're urged to rid ourselves of all our possessions, all our clutter, and all the things that aren't holding their value. And when doing so, it's helpful to keep these three questions in mind. Is it functional? Is it valuable? Is it pleasing to the eye? If you can't answer yes to all three of these, then bag it, sell it, and let it go. Taurus is resourceful, but we don't like anything hanging around that does not serve a purpose. When it comes to our stuff, for some of you, it could be a challenge to avoid that Taurian possessiveness. But the goal is to try to embrace the beauty of creating a simple plan for a simpler life. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Three days after the sun enters the sign of Taurus, it's going to meet up with the planet Uranus and shake things up a bit. Uranus loves to surprise us, and he can be quite unpredictable, but the sun will give us confidence to make some sudden changes without doubting ourselves, and for Taurus, change is good. It's not typically preferred, but routine and habits provide stability for Taurus, so naturally they like things predictable. But it's important that we roll with the changes, as there's always something that the planets are trying to teach us. Uranus will be in the sign of Taurus until 2026, so certain traditions and certain ways of living will undergo a makeover, but this again is needed in order for us to grow. Mercury, the planet that rules communication, intellect, and travel, will be following the sun into Taurus on May 6th. Mercury shows us how we take in and process information. It also indicates our learning style and method of delivery. People that have their natal Mercury in the sign of Taurus are cautious when speaking. They think very carefully about what they're going to say before they say it, and many times there's a strong emphasis on speech as it is usually slow and deliberate. Mercury in Taurus is very methodical. There's a need to break things down when learning, kind of like little bite-sized pieces, if you will. So when they take in information, they are very particular about getting all the facts straight the first time around. Mercury likes to give correct information and many times can be repetitive when speaking to ensure that they're being heard accurately. Because Taurus rules the throat, one of the gifts of having the talkative planet Mercury and Taurus here is the beauty of deliverance. Because Venus rules the sign of Taurus, anything that is communicated through this sign comes out in a beautiful way. So knowing how to speak to people, being able to connect with people through means of song or really good conversation are quite common with this sign. To give you an auditory comparison, some well-known celebrities that have Mercury and Taurus are Johnny Depp, George Clooney, Janet Jackson, Cher, Penelope Cruz, Uma Thurman, and Jack Nicholson, just to name a few. Here's an experiment for you. 
The next time you watch a movie with Jack Nicholson in it, it could be any movie, just close your eyes and just listen to him talk. His voice is incredibly soothing. I did this with the movie The Shining, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and you'll discover that once you remove the distraction of the visual, the voice and the tone is unmistakable. Tauruses are really sensual people, but when I say sensual, I'm not referring to just the sexual aspect, but the whole totality of the experience in which they exercise all five senses of sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Sometimes you may find out when a Taurus looks at something, let's say, I don't know, we'll use a sweater for an example. Let's say a Taurus sees a sweater in a department store. Aside from viewing the price, which of course a money-minded Taurus would do first and foremost, they'd ask themselves first in their mind, can I afford this beautiful sweater? And then they'll probably stare at it for a while, absorbing it and studying it, taking it all in, and then they'll touch it. They want to see if the material will feel agreeable on their skin, because with Taurus, texture is everything. And then when they go to try it on, they'll notice the way that it smells as it slides over their head and onto their body. This is an example of the Taurus experience when purchasing something as simple as a sweater. It's different from other people in the fact that Taurus, it's always a sensory process. Speaking of shopping and purchases, the money planet Venus will be pairing up with rebellious Uranus on May 17th. And while Taurus is pretty conservative with money, some may fall prey and uh, beguiled by the Uranus impulsive influence, creating a got-to-have-it mentality that could have some of you uh, falling prey to retail therapy. So stay strong, people. If you don't need it, then don't buy it. I know it's much easier said than done when Venus makes everything look so darn good. But that's only one possible manifestation of this Venus transit, as it could also bring an unexpected windfall, be it in the form of money or love. Or then again, it might make you restless for something more exciting. And those in a committed relationship at this time may suddenly want their freedom. The old saying, April showers bring May flowers, rings true for the sign of Taurus, as we're reminded that this, this spring, to take in the beauty that is around us by exercising all five of our senses, be it through viewing nature in its splendor, stopping to actually smell the roses, hearing the sound of someone's voice, the feel of soft material on our skin, or the taste of something sweet. For the month of May, let's indulge in appreciating the little things that will serve to add value to the bigger things in our lives. Next week, April 27, repeated May 2nd, Ben Mabry, yogic esoteric astrologer from Olympia, Washington, joins on the subject the third eye, implications of Taurus. I'm so glad for your interest in Taurus cosmic collaboration. Today's April 20, repeating April 25 at 6 in the morning. Remember, we're online at 1150kknw.com and the app KKNWAM Pacific Daylight Time to hear. And we have archives on Talk Cosmos. Thank you a thousand percent. Check all the guests and the schedules and celebrate what sustains your life force with health, wealth, happiness, and the time to enjoy them all. For each and every one, till next week. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. 
Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.